Muffin Talk is a weekly program to which I invite guests to talk about their work, their passion for issues on community programs, social justice, Bible studies, or the Catholic Church. My interviews are done in the studio of Planet FM or via Zoom. Today, I've invited Brother Kieran Finn to a Zoom recording for a broadcast. Brother Kieran, a very warm welcome and Heidemite Radio Program. Brother Kieran Finn is a Champagnat brother and a Bible scholar, and he's been to our radio program many times. And I'm always pleased to have him with us. And he has spent so many years in adult education and is very passionate to teach um, any information from the Bible and what we don't know and uh, to also create awareness for looking deeper in the scriptures. So with today's interview, we are continuing our first uh, series, virtual teaching series, organized by Titi Paunamu, Study and Joy. We, were, we had already one session last week and we'll have five more sessions coming up on Mary, the Mother of God. All sessions are connected, but they also stand alone. Our muffin uh, talk today and uh, our muffin, not muffin week, but our evening even, evening event on Monday will be uh, the second part on Mary and it will be on Paul and Mark and Matthew. Brother Kieran, last week we had the um, Mary and Vatican II. Would you quickly summarize what this issue was about? Why did we start with Vatican II? Well, because the starting point of Mary for today, there is there was a conflict between those who wanted to go along the line of exalting Mary with new titles, new dogmas, and that was one line. The other line was to give a solid basis to Mary the theological basis, the scriptural basis, and a Mary that will speak to the people of today because even though devotions continue and they're good, there is a basis for devotions, but there's a basis for where did Mary come from? Um, where, who is the Mary of scripture? This developing portrait, this is basic, this is the beginning and we saw the enormous conflict that took place at Vatican II. And out of 2,500 bishops, there was almost a 50-50 split. It was only by 40 votes that that second line, placing Mary in the document of the church, Mary stands with us within the church as what the church is to be. We talk about having the smell of the sheep then the church has got to have the smell of the children and we are all part of that church. Intelligent, growing up children too, I might state. <laughs> and Brother Kieran, you also mentioned something that no matter what your perspective toward Mary is, it has to be based on scripture. Yes. And so now today we are looking into the scripture. So the first writings were with Paul 
Yes. So, um, what do we know about Paul and Mary? Well, all we have is virtually just two verses from the epistle to the Galatians. But out of those two verses, there's some enormously important points to be made. When the fullness of time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might become adopted daughters and sons, and that with the spirit of God in us, we can cry, Abba, to the God. Abba and Amar, I might add as well. So, yes, there's very little that can be said for a marial interpretation of that passage. But there's a basic affirmation made that at the beginning of the life of Jesus, there was a woman, his mother, and it was through his mother, Jesus is authentically human and Jewish. And that's particularly important because it's going to be a big issue in future councils with the humanity of Jesus. His authentic humanity comes through his mother. And that's and you say quite that, important. Yeah. And you said it, uh, it's important that he's Jewish. Why is yeah. that important for, for Paul? Uh, well, remember the cultural context Paul emerges out of. The Old Testament, this is why it's so critical that the Hebrew scriptures are part of our church today because Jesus is the realization of the messianic promise that is there at the fulfillment of God's work through history with the Jewish people and the fullness of time. The fullness of time is the history that emerges out of our study of the Hebrew scriptures. Hmm. And so that that is really really interesting. And from from Paul's perspective, so Paul was concentrating on Jesus during his writings, yes. and he had only these two verses about Mary. Yes. When we move on and we come to Mark, the first gospel. Yes. How much did Mark talk about Mary? <laughs> Dear, that's again a very interesting question because. Mark is not a popular beginning. The temptation is always to jump to the more positive pictures. Mark gives us just two passages in which Mary appears. The earliest Christian tradition of Mary is the story of the visit of the mother with the brothers and the sisters get mentioned eventually to visit Jesus when he's in the middle of his mission. And uh, the Jesus gets told that your mother and your brothers are outside and they want to see you. Now, the cultural background, he should immediately go and see what his family want. Why do his family come? Because people are saying that Jesus is out of his mind. Why are they saying that? Because, after all, he's a laborer. What was he doing before he started his mission? Obviously, he was carrying on the tradition of Joseph the worker, whatever work was going on. And what's he doing now preaching? Because his experience with the Baptist has shown him what his mission is to be in life. Now, 
um, it's not a very happy sort of a picture because what Mark is doing, he doesn't intend, intend to put Mary down. He is trying to emphasize the saying of Jesus that my, my mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. Those who are gathered around him, his disciples, the disciples are his new family. The blood family has got an importance, obviously, but the family of discipleship is the emphasis that Mark is giving, and that is very important. But um, The second passage, of course, is when Jesus goes to his hometown, and uh, he doesn't get a very good reception. Where did he get all this learning from? We know his family. And uh, they're asking the right question, but they're getting the wrong answer as to where is he getting, where does he get all this knowledge from? They, it's not enough to just know Jesus in terms of his human origins. So, yes, those two passages. We get Mary's name in the second passage, but there's no deep devotion to Mary there. And we need to understand that the first part of the Christian message is to establish the identity of the person of Jesus, who he is in light of the resurrection. So Mary doesn't feature strongly. She might even still be alive when Mark is writing. Mm -hmm. And don't forget, this is a patriarchal culture. So the emphasis goes along the line of the identity of Jesus. So, so we had uh, in Paul, Mary was not named, and then in Mark, there oh, um, is one. That's name. right. Yes, yeah. one name. That's it. But if that was all we had, if Mark was all we had biblically, um, we wouldn't have this devotion, this critical aspect of Mary in the life of Catholic Christians. But why was there such a silence, and why was the silence broken regarding Mary? Wow, that's again, uh, I think we need to understand how the Gospels came to be. I mean, let's place ourselves in that early Christian era. After the passion, death and resurrection of Jesus, that is what would be discussed, thought about, talked about. The first question is, what just happened? Then the second question is, what did he do to get himself crucified? That's his mission. And isn't that where Mark's gospel starts, with the mission? And then the second part of the gospel, the mission. The third part came about because I'm sure some mother among the Christian community said, what was he like as a child? <laughs> and so what then becomes part three? The infancy narratives. Now, we don't have details. We haven't got any details. And it's really interesting. The church has made no official statement with regard to the historicity of the infancy narratives. They're oh. part three. Notice they're the added on parts for Matthew and Luke. Now, what they're doing is they're taking back through the infancy narratives realizations with regard to the identity of Jesus from the rest of the Gospels. It's the interesting. Of- it's interesting what you say regarding the nativity because 
Uh, if you ask uh, the average Christian what is the biggest feast in Christianity, they might say Christmas. And uh, in fact, it should be Easter. It should be Easter too, because we read the Gospels in the opposite way to the way they came to be. And I think we need to realize that every gospel comes out of the light of the resurrection and are written in the light of the resurrection. (laughs) Now, there's one little further step, of course, after the infancy narratives. Um, The identity of Jesus, the theological realization of who he is, gets into the infancy narratives. But John's gospel takes, in the beginning was the word, takes it right back time into eternity. So the progression is critical. But again, um, the preaching of the apostles, yes, would have been on the person of Jesus, the meaning of the resurrection. We mentioned Mary could still have been alive. We have the patriarchal element that dominates so strongly through the Gospels. And then we have the, the structure, the coming to be of the Gospels through the three stages So all of those sort of affect the emergence of Mary. And, of course, it's the wonder that Mary did achieve the the picture that emerges through Matthew and Luke. And you mentioned um, or you made an illusion that Mark was not so positive regarding Mary. Well, if he didn't know Mary... And he wants to put the teaching of Jesus. Um, That's the critical aspect. But the other side, too, is nobody seems to be very popular in Mark's gospel because Mark's gospel is the gospel of enormous discipleship failure. Jesus has failed all the way along. The disciples, honestly, some of the texts, just the disciples, when are you going to get it? And honestly, um, they seem to be so slow. And the, and even at the end, remember the Eucharist in the Eucharist, how massively they failed him. That in the Eucharist, Jesus eats the Eucharist and celebrates the Passover in the midst of misunderstanding, betrayers, all of that. And you can tell. They even ask him, where do you want us to prepare the room for you, singular, eat the Passover? He eats the Passover on his own. This massive failure. And what is it that Jesus, what the words of Jesus, he dies in Mark. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Now we know how that psalm goes on to, and we know that the resurrection finally brings light. So, Mary and the family are in pretty good company among the failures in Mark's gospel. <laughs> yeah, and, and so from Mark, we are moving on to Matthew. Oh, yes. So, yeah. so what kind of picture of Mary does Matthew give to us? Well, she plays a small but very significant role in Matthew, and that's principally in the infancy narratives. Now, we have spoken about Mary among those women that introduced the gospel. And all of them have some striking irregularity with regard to their um, marriage, to the bearing of their children, and so on. So she's in good company. 
You could almost <laughs> uh, call this, yes. Um, God writes straight with crooked lines. That's very much the sort of image we get. And that fascinating um, genealogy, the, you know, um, it's we should never leave it out and not read it because it's got so many tangled, wonderful words in it and names. But um, it's got enormous significance as the origin of Jesus as son of Abraham. And isn't it lovely that Abraham is the father of three great world religions? So again, Mary is incorporated into an incredible genealogy. And I love it that in Ephesus, um, the Islam honors the shrine of Mary in Ephesus. So she links a number of those great world religions. So, and, yeah. and, as you, and as you said, this uh, genealogy is like the papa of the Maori where you connect with all the ancestors and from each ancestor you have something, you inherit something, so you are in a good line. Yes, and of course, after Abraham, it's David. Those are the two great links. And of course, Emmanuel, the name is given God with us. And God is with us because Mary is the one who accepted to say yes. But that, of course, is Luke's story. We get that there. The one who says yes in Matthew is Joseph. But again, I think we, we pass over the story of the, the pain of Joseph when he saw Mary was pregnant and the hurt and pain that Mary must have felt when the man she loved didn't know until God stepped in and the dream that told him to take Mary as his wife. And, and I think we, 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 don't, we don't sort of follow the, the anguish of Mary in this. And think again of the um, flight into Egypt. Somebody once said, Mary must have said, why is God still allowing this to happen? When she said her yes... It wasn't an easy, God would smooth things over for you. I mean, this is so important to understand, Mary. And that's what you also said the other day. You said she was not a lady far up uh, like a princess. But um, in fact, if you look at the stories, especially what you mentioned now with Matthew and the flight to Egypt, She went. Uh, she was a refugee. She went through a lot of uh, troubles, and um, and also when you say we are talking about the gospel according to Matthew and Matthew's target group were the the Jewish people. So he had all these connections with the Jewish people and with their traditions. That it was through the dream that the communication from God came. Oh, yes, yes. Of course, that reminds us again of the name of Joseph. But let's just a few moments staying with that terrible scene of the massacre of the innocents. The scene of, of terrible fear propelling this young couple with their newly born child to flee in the dark from this oncoming murderous assault and their flight. What do they do? The iron swords, the baby blood of the massacre, the red pavement, the grieving mothers, a young family's life in exile when they finally make it to a foreign land 
with a strange language, strange customs, strange institutions. Doesn't that sound familiar today? The plight of millions of refugees. Mary is in solidarity with them, and it's a pity that the popular devotion to Mary doesn't recall her in this experience as a poor, courageous woman fleeing into a foreign country. Doesn't it sound horribly familiar? Yes, there's nothing new under the sun. No. That's a, yeah. So we will look further into uh, Matthew and in the in the Gospels and seeing where where do we find Mary in the Scriptures. I love what you just said then, because when the Magi came, they found the child with Mary, his mother. <laughs> right. Yes, <laughs> and I, and I think that's that's something we'll go into depth uh, on on Monday, and uh, we'll also have the wonderful PowerPoint presentations, which uh, w- which are a good support, just in case um, that somebody didn't catch a word because we are working via Zoom, and you never know if uh, internet connection is all the way stable. But um, thank you very much for this wonderful presentation and also for this insight now with Matthew. And we've now covered Paul, Mark, and Matthew. And if we think of talking about the three of them within one, well, within 20 minutes, that is quite amazing. We did well, (laughs) didn't we? (laughs) Thank you very much, Brother Karen. So let me, let, let us, See what what's coming up at the um, on the what other events we have, and uh, as I said, the series with uh, Brother Kieran Fenn on Mary, the Mother of God, a contemporary understanding of Mary is going to continue on Monday. So we'll have five more sessions, always Monday evenings at seven p.m. And then we also have um, Eamon Butler coming for uh, zooming in. Yeah, you can call it like this, zooming in, uh, doing a virtual retreat, facilitating a virtual retreat on Saturday, the 19th of September from 10.30 a.m. to 4 p.m. The topic of his retreat is Homecoming, a Journey of Transformation. And he will um, concentrate on the on the painting about the prodigal son. And uh, so that's all from, from our side here. And I... Uh, uh, wish you all the best. Kia kaha. Stay, okay, keep safe. And so that we can see you on Monday or listen to you again. Um, you can listen to us on Friday next week. Thank you very much, Brother Karen. And uh, kia kaha. See you next time. Many blessings. Bye bye. Thank you.